like an old horse. I uh, <clears throat> know we've been talking a lot about uh, biblical living recently, uh, and I'm very, very thankful that we've been able to get to dive into those things and what it means to be a biblical man or a godly man and a godly woman. Um, we've got a ton more to talk about that, um, and, and we're going to. Um, but as I was thinking about today's message, and rightly so, I can tell from the way the service is going, you know, God knows long before I know what, what the service needs. Um, and uh, I, I, my heart was pulled in a different direction this morning, and, uh, and, and I just began to think about things. If you've got Bibles, uh, we're going to go to Philippians chapter 3. I, I wondered why. why, why so as I, what God started me thinking was, if I could just kind of put you in the thought process of it is, why would anybody care? Why would, any, why would anybody want to be a godly man or a godly woman? Uh, the world certainly doesn't honor godly people. Uh, the truth is, and I think we've talked about it enough, but the truth is, if we're trying to live godly, most likely we'll be hated for it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Made fun of. Our, our own families uh, 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 may very well hate our godly lifestyles, if we try to live those things out. And you're certainly less likely to be uh, uh, somebody that everybody wants to be around. Truth is, we know the truth. We'll be persecuted, hated, made fun of, left out, forsaken. Our kids will be different than everybody else. Amen? Our priorities will be different than everybody else. Our homes will be different than everybody else's. The way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our money, the way that we spend our talents, and our, the way that we use our resources, it'll be different than everybody else. So preaching godly living and preaching holiness isn't very popular because what people really want is something for now. Would you agree with that? Something that, that they can take right now and that they can get benefit from right now they want instant gratification. We want to do something now and receive an immediate reward. Over the years, I've, I've had a chance to, to, to work for the Lord. And even in that work sometimes, we grow weary, as our brother prayed this morning, in doing good. Uh, because you, you want to, as, as a pastor, you want to preach and you want every every sermon, you want somebody to run to the altar and accept the Lord. And you, you want the fruit of, of, of you want it right now. Yeah. But it's not the way it works. It's not how it goes. We want our pleasure now. We want our rewards now. We want the payoff for everything we do to happen right now. If you think about that for just a minute, you, you begin to understand the appeal to a different gospel. Uh, let's let's say you go to the doctor and, and you find out you've got a terminal illness. You go and you find you hear the, the worst news you could hear, and you don't know the Lord, and you start thinking, I need to get thing, I need to get the Lord to help me. I need to get God to come and do something about this. There's nowhere else to go. What church are you going to go to? You see, you going to go to one where they guarantee your healing. Or are you going to go to a church that teaches you that maybe this sickness is what God wants for you? You're going to go to a church where they say sickness is of the devil and we'll cast that sickness out. Or are you going to go to a church where they say we're going to go with you through the sickness and love you through the sickness, but it may be God's will for you to suffer through this. You see... We all in the flesh want instant gratification. Instant results. We want the quick fix. And that's who we are today as a people. And we want instant results and immediate rewards. And, uh, and like the old song said, I want it all and I want it now. But that's not who we're supposed to be. I'm talking to the church now. Amen? Amen. That's not who we're supposed to be. That cannot be the life of a Christian. 
If your faith is rooted in Christ, and 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 and, and you got to know you're called to be different than that. Your, if your faith is is based in immediate rewards, if your faith is based in immediate results, if, if these men that we heard get up and testify this morning, or if, if, if mine or your ministry or whoever's, if it was based on immediate results, we quit. We quit. Nobody would endure because there's seasons and times and the Bible says that there's times that we come along and that we, we plant the seeds and there's times that we come along and water the seeds, but God decides when the seeds increase. Amen? Amen. Don't get discouraged in your ministry. That's, a, that's not the point of my message. But don't get discouraged if you're working on a family member, if you're working on a, in the prison with these guys, if you're working on somebody that's sitting in your church and you've been preaching to them for a year. Don't get discouraged. Keep working. Keep working. Keep going. Keep pushing forward. But if your hope and, and your faith is built on the fact that you can have one conversation or do one thing and you're going to get some immediate reward, I'm here to tell you, your faith won't last long. It won't last long because the Christian way is a long road. It's a long journey. And the payoff is at the end of it. See, as a believer, our hope is built on Christ who has promised us eternal life. Our hope is built in Him. And the promise that we will get to be with Him in heaven. Let's read Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven. Amen? Amen. That's where we're that's the country that we're to belong to. That's where our allegiance belongs. That's where we're supposed to want to be. Amen? Amen? Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also, listen at the words, eagerly, excited, anxious, cannot wait, eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who will transform our lowly body that it might be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Amen? Church, our heart should be so full of love for Jesus and our heart should be so set on getting to heaven, it should be just like what they wrote about in the Scriptures. How He said, they were not at home here. We don't feel comfortable here. Stop trying to live a life of comfort here. Forget about that. This place can't make us comfortable because this place doesn't fulfill the thing that's inside of us. This place doesn't fill the needs that we have. We have been given something. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given a part of God. We've been given a longing. We've been given citizenship in a different country. A different place. So when we bellyache and moan and we say, well, I just can't figure out why everything's going wrong here. I just can't figure out why I don't feel good and why my life's not perfect and everything's not the way it's a, that I think it should be. Remember, this is not home. This is not where we're supposed to be comfortable. Our minds should be filled with thoughts of heaven. We should live our lives in a way that we are excited to get to heaven. Amen? Amen? Amen. We don't talk about heaven enough. We don't
those things enough. It amazes me when you go to the Scripture, you can see that as Jesus was preparing Himself to die, as He was going through the process of preparing the disciples and uh, the inner strength that He needed to, to die, His hope, His strength, it was all grounded in this truth that He was going back to the Father. Amen. He was going home. And he knew what home was because he'd been there before. Hebrews 12 and 2 says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. By the way, we could preach that verse. Jesus is the one who gave you faith by which you believe. And he'll be the one that keeps that faith in you. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for, now listen, who for the joy that was set before Him. That what that means is, who, who looked ahead and saw the joy that would be coming. Who for the joy that was set before Him was what? Willing to endure the cross. He despised the shame of it. But has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That, that truth that He knew after the cross, after the resurrection, He would sit down at the right hand of the throne of God was enough to help Him get through the hardships that He was enduring. Amen? And, 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 and here's what you got to know. Not only was Christ excited for Himself to be home, He was excited for us to get home. Amen. I want you to listen to... I've got a few Scriptures today, so you just have to bear with me, okay? But I want you to listen to the prayer, just a few parts of this prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. It's verses 20 through 24. He was praying for His disciples. And then He switches over. And He begins to pray for the future generations. For us. All those who will believe in Me through the disciples' words. That's you and I. Amen? He said, I don't just pray for these guys. But I pray for all those who will believe in Me through their words. That they all may be one as You, Father, are in Me and I and in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them. And you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Amen. Now listen. Father, the desire of His heart. Listen, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Amen. That prayer will be answered. Why? That they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. I believe it was with excitement when Jesus in John chapter 14 He was speaking and He said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. He'd already been there, amen? amen. amen. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you to myself. That, listen, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. 
I believe that this was the, the center, this was what was the, the motivation for the early church is that in, they were going through suffering, they were going through afflictions, they had, uh, many of them that were in prison, they were beaten, they were, they were being killed. And do you know what? Uh, the Bible talks in the book of Acts, you can go through and read how they had joy and how they sang and how they worshipped. And in spite of all the bad that was going on, if, if, if we honestly, the truth is, if we had to live the life the disciples lived, many of you sitting in this church today would give up on the faith. They were suffering for Christ's sake. They were suffering for His name's sake. But had joy unspeakable. Full of glory. Had peace. Had love. Abounding. Had nothing that, the, that we had. Had none of the things. Even those that had homes and those things. Gave them up. Put them all together. And said, mine is yours and yours is mine. I wonder this morning, where's our joy? Where's our hope? Where's our hearts this morning? I, 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 I'm afraid that even though most of us in this church would, would say, you know, we don't like this prosperity gospel and I would never read uh, 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 your best life now, I'm afraid that's what most of us want. It's a theology that we reject in the book but believe in our hearts. We want our best life now. That's what we want. But you know what? If we could just realize that our best life is coming. If we could just understand and know that it's in front of us. It's ahead of us. That's what Christ saw. And I, listen, I want you to know this morning you can have a wonderful life as a Christian here, but to do it, you have to be willing to fix your eyes on Jesus and you've got to look forward to heaven because that'll be the place where you draw joy from. Amen. That'll be the place where you draw strength from. Amen. Because this life is going to beat on you. It's gonna. It's got anxieties and stress and pressure and sickness and disease and illness and labor and work and toil and all of these things and disappointments and hurts. This life beats on you. But if your joy is in heaven, if your citizenship is in there, you don't look for this life to fulfill you. You look for that life over there to fulfill you. You, you, you draw from that well. You don't have to wait till you get there to enjoy heaven. You can begin to enjoy it now. You can begin to enjoy heaven right away by thinking about it, by looking forward to it, by holding to the promises that it offers us. But you have to allow God to change your heart. Change it from what? You have to allow God to change your heart from loving this world to loving that. From loving the world that we're in right now to loving the one that's to come. Your affections have to be there, not here. Your heart has to be there. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Well, as Christians, you know what our treasure is supposed to be? Jesus. I just read to you where Jesus is. Sitting at the right hand of the Father. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart should be. We've got to have our priorities rearranged by God. Be being in heaven has to be the reward that we long for because that's where He is. That's where we want to be. 
The problem this morning really is though is that for some of us, that doesn't fill your heart with joy at all. You're not excited at all about heaven. As a matter of fact, if the truth were known, you rarely think about heaven. Amen? But I want you to know that sometimes our, our complete being consumed with this world is the reason why we feel so empty sometimes. While another Christians are rejoicing uh, and, and they're listening to songs about uh, 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 heaven and they're listening to songs about Christ and they are just rejoicing and they're just so full and you can just feel their fullness as you as you sit next to them while you don't feel that. Because your treasure is here. Not there. because you haven't let your heart get refocused. You're still focused on this temporal life, not yet seeing the eternal life to come. Sometimes we forget. There is nothing here that compares to the glory there. There is nothing here that compares to the glory there. When one glimpse there, one glimpse into there, all this will seem very, very small. Think about the scriptures. Take it from the person who's been there. In Psalms 116.15, this is what the Lord says. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. He doesn't say devastating. He doesn't say, oh, how pitiful it is. Pitiful in the sight of the Lord is the death of these saints. They weren't strong enough to live. Their faith wasn't strong enough to be healed. He said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of these saints. In Philippians chapter 1, 21-24, uh, Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I live on, on in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my, for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? Paul said, I cannot tell. I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Which is, look at the words, far better. If that was our heart, we would not be so attached to this world. If we can understand that death is gain once you're a Christian. Amen. And that to be with Christ is infinitely better than to be in this world. Amen. That to be in His presence, to get there with Him is far better than anything we'll experience here that removes the fear of death, that removes the worry, that, re that just means that when we step into death, we just step in the home. Amen. We just get to do that. We just get to go into that. If we could understand it, we wouldn't worry so much. Our lives wouldn't be so consumed with everything we have down here and how we feel and what we're doing. We would just be so much happier. If we could understand that to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said it's far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you, Paul said. He had to say. Listen in the book of Revelations chapter 14. Listen, listen to what he heard. John, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write this down, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Amen. Then he heard the Spirit, and he, the Spirit said, Yes, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow. Amen. 
Well, it was a good it was a good day at my house this morning. As God wrote these things into my heart. Amen. You see the common theme of Scripture. If you're saved by grace through faith, if you're born again, if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, death has no sin. But it holds a promise. It holds a great promise. Let me take you to a passage. I don't have it up there, Brother Thomas, so just don't worry about flipping to this one. But 1 Corinthians 15, you can go in your Bibles if you want to. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, this promise, what is this promise that, that death offers? And it came to me uh, earlier when I was back in the back praying and studying a little bit, and so I wanted to include it. But 1 Corinthians 15 says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown a perishable body. It's raised an imperishable body. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. And then he goes on to say this. (laughs) It's, It's in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall all be changed. For this perishable, this mortal, must put on immortality. But when this perishable has put on imperishable, when this mortal has put on immortality, then will come about the saying that's written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death. Where is your sting? That's the hope. I, I, I mean, really, the promise is that when we die, we live. But do you believe that promise this morning? As a body of Christ, do you believe it? We fight death, we wrestle death, we war against death, but the reality is is that after death is life for the believer. After death is home for the believer. That's when we really live. Blessed are those that die in the Lord. Jesus said, He told told Mary and Martha, He said, He said, did you not hear me when I said that your brother will live again? They said, yeah, we know he'll live again. They said in the resurrection, He said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am that person. I am those things. Listen, if you believe, He that believes in me shall never die. Never. Yes, our bodies will decay. Yes, well, you, one day there'll be people gathered around my casket. One day there'll be people gathered around yours. Yes, but we who are believers in Christ will not die. Amen. We will live. Yeah. To live is Christ. To die is Cain. Yes. If we would just believe it. That, that truth, that promise has been the very thing that allowed the church for years uh, through persecution, through troubles and trials, through all the things that she's faced, that it's allowed those martyrs to stand there and be killed because they know what comes next. It's allowed believers to face death with joy. It's comforted dying believers. I've seen it in hospital beds. It's been a comfort to them. This promise, this fact that God has a life for us beyond this life, that God has a home prepared for us, a place to go, that very promise is the thing that would motivate those men in that prison to stick with the Lord. It's the thing that will motivate you when you get the devastating news one day. It's the thing I, I thought about to Pastor Obi. It's the thing that motivates him to keep going. Do you know how much easier his life would be if he just pack it up and move over here? Yeah. But 
he wants his people to know the Lord and he knows he's got a place to go after this place. This, these are the things, church, that we've got to wrap our minds around. Because listen, one day death is going to wrap its fingers around us. And you'll start to leave this world. And if your faith is rooted in Christ, you too will be comforted by that promise. Amen. That you're not dying. You're leaving. You're going home. You're going to a better place. A better country. Far better place. There's a way to die with grace. There's a way to live in grace and there's a way to die in grace. Let your death be honorable. Let it be that when it comes your time to die, as you lay on your bed, that you don't have to mumble and regret and say, I wish I'd have done this and I wish I'd have done that. Live for Christ and then go home to be with Him. Let that just, just, just serve Him and trust Him and follow Him and listen to Him and do what the things He says to do and, and serve Him and don't worry about who hates you and who doesn't like you and, 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 and who's doing this and that and the other. You just live for Jesus and when the time comes and your time's up, you go home and be with the one that you've lived for. You just do that, church. You just do that. When you get there, you'll receive the reward that you long for. Amen? What reward are you talking about? You'll be home with Him. Amen. He's alright. He's getting there. They get motivated when they get close, don't they? I like what John MacArthur said about heaven. When he's talking about heaven, he said this. He said, Our Father is there. Our Savior is there. Our fellow saints and brothers and sisters are there. Our name is there. Our inheritance is there. Our reward is there. Our treasure is there. And our citizenship is there. Amen. Well, what will it be like? I think everybody wants to know that. A lot of people, if you get down to the bottom of what they really think, they're not sure heaven's going to be that great. Amen? They're not really sure. It's cute. Heaven will be... Uh, they kind of think heaven might be a little bit more... That's why they don't really get excited about it too much. They think you'll just stand around and sing songs all day and some of them don't like to sing right now. They'll just stand around and sing and walk around on streets of gold and look at stuff. Like how, like how long can I do this? And if that's all there is, I can really say I don't think it sounds that great But the Bible says there's a lot to be excited about. Amen. Now, you've got to know and understand we don't have a full picture of it. Amen? And I can't, there's no way that I, don't get, don't get overly excited and think he's getting ready to describe heaven. I, I don't have a full picture of it either. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly. But when we get there, face to face. Now we know in part, but then, I shall know just as I also am known. But we can look at a few things that we do know. And I want to encourage you as Christians today, those that are born again, you ought to study a little bit about heaven. You ought to really look into it and, and read about it and pray about it and think about it and let that truth fill your mind and heart. You'll be surprised how many fears it'll replace. It'll make a big difference in your life. It'll make a... A big, big difference. But I'll tell you a few things that we do know. Real basic things. First, it's a very, it's a pure place. It's pure. One thing we know about heaven, there'll be no unclean thing that enters that. It's a place where sin 
will not be accepted, allowed, or get to enter in. Nothing unclean, the Scripture says. It's a place that's free from the curse of sin, the wages of sin. It's a place that's set free from all that. In Revelation 21 27, He says, there shall be no wise anything that enters into that that can defile them. Anything that causes an abomination or a lie. But what can enter in? Only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Amen? Amen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, I'm telling you right now, if the world could, they'd throw this verse out of the Bible. Do not be deceived, though. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor coveters, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Listen today. That presents a big problem for us. Amen? That presents a big problem because if you're here today and you've not had your sins washed away, that Scripture should tell you something important. It tells you that you won't be allowed to enter into that place. If you've not had your sin, that's why we love the next verse in 1 Corinthians 6. It's verse 11. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. That's why we cling to that verse. Because we know that it's through the blood of Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are all those things. Drunkards, revilers, uh, coveters, uh, extortions, thieves, all these things. We are sinners. But by the blood of the Lamb and the Spirit of the living God, we have been made righteous through Christ. And through Him we'll enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that's why the Scripture says, that's why He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If any man wants to get to the Father, you can't get there with those things in your life. You can't get there as a sinner. If any man wants to come to the Father, he's got to come through me. Amen. That puts us, as Brother John said, on a level playing field. I may not be a murderer, but I am a coveter. I may not be a homosexual, but I have sexual sins in my life. I'm no better than they are. You know what makes me different? The blood of Jesus. That when God looks at me, He doesn't see me. He sees Christ. That's what makes it different for me. That's why when I get to that place, when death finds me, when I die, that's why when I get there, I won't stand before God and say, God, I was a preacher. I won't stand before God and say, God, I, I, I went to church every Sunday. I won't stand before God and say, God, you know how many people that I personally led to you? I'll stand before God and say one thing, one word, Jesus. That's all I've got to present to God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I won't be able to stand and say anything about my good works. Ladies, and you won't be able to stand and say anything about how you loved your husbands. Husbands, you won't stand and say how you loved your wives. What you will say if you get to hear enter in is you'll say, I was washed by the blood of Jesus. And He'll say, He'll say, God, that one is mine. Mine. Enter in. Good and faithful servant. It 
because of our righteousness. It will not be because of our works. It won't be because of our godly living. We should have good works. We should have godly living. We should have all those things, but those things won't be the reason that you get to go to that place. You get to go to that place for one reason. Jesus. The work that He did. That's why when He died, He said, It is finished. Not it started and you finish it. It's finished. It's finished. It's a place that's pure. That's made for the pure. The only way to be pure is to have your sins washed in the blood of Jesus. It's a place of peace. I'm almost there. Don't think. It's a place of peace and joy. Revelations 21, 4, and 5. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more death. No sorrow. No crying. No pain. For the former things have passed away. And He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And He said to me, Write, for these words are true. And faith. When I read that verse, that's what I hear is peace. Peace of mind. No more worry about death. No more worry about sorrow. No more losing people we love. Nothing that will hurt. Nothing that can cause pain. No need for crying of tears. No sorrow. No griefs. That's peace, church. That's true peace. Having God wipe all those things away, knowing that we will have glorified bodies. Amen? Glorified bodies without any aches and pains. No disease. No sickness. No exhaustion. No medicines. Peace. No worries. Nothing to worry about. It's a place of rest. I don't know about you, but there's some days I think I need rest. I think we get weary in the journey. We get tired. If you're trying to live the... Let me tell you, let me put it this way. If you're trying to live the Christian life and you're working for the Lord, rest is a good promise for you. Because if you're working for the Lord... You work. You work. Revelations 14, 13, we read it earlier. Yes, says the Spirit, they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Hebrews 4, 9 says, There remains therefore rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God has ceased from his. Don't, don't misunderstand it. Right? Don't get this vision of heaven where you think all you're going to do is sleep or sit around and be still. I think heaven will be filled with activity. Filled with service. Filled with music of praise. Filled with worship. And I believe all those things in the midst of all the activity and all the praise and all the worship and all the, all the service and all the things that we'll be doing in heaven and I believe we'll be doing that a lot. In the midst of all that, there'll be perfect rest. We won't grow tired. We won't grow bored. We won't grow weary. We won't get frustrated. And then you get frustrated here sometimes. Say, man, I get get frustrated. Even trying to work for the Lord, I get frustrated. You can get exhausted in it all. There, our hearts won't be troubled. That's why He told us, don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Rest from all the, and let me say it the best way I know how, rest from all the pointless work that we do here. There our work will be with a purpose. Here much of our work is in vain. It's meaningless. Lastly, and most important, heaven will be a place of relationship. It'll be good to be reunited with people we love. 
It'll be good to see their faces again. And we will. Those who died in Christ, we will be reunited with them again. It's a promise from God. Cling to it. But it's not the relationship to focus on. The relationship to focus on is the one where we'll have a perfect relationship with God the Father. Perfect. We'll see Him face to face. We will dwell with Him and He will dwell with us. Revelation 21.3 John said, I heard a voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and He will dwell with them. And they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. Revelation 22 and 4 They shall see His face and His name shall be on their foreheads. In heaven, the wall between man and God that sometimes comes up because of sin and because of the, the distance between us at times, that wall will be gone. We'll know God fully for the first time. We have glimpses of Him here. We have exactly what He wanted us to know about. We see a picture of who He is, but we'll have eternity to know Him. To really know Him. To explore Him. To worship Him. To rejoice. We'll sing. I believe in heaven we'll sing. I believe we'll dance. I believe we'll laugh. I believe we'll rejoice. I believe we'll talk to God just like we talk to each other. We won't be constrained by time. There'll be no rush. There'll be no hurry. We won't, we, won't be, we won't be panicked over did we say this right or do this right or what does that mean? We'll have full understanding. We'll see Him and we'll get eternity to just explore who He is. To know all about Him. You only, let me tell you what you know about God right now. The same thing I do. You barely have scratched the surface. He's so big we'll never be able to contain Him. But when we get there, we'll know Him. We'll know it. In heaven, we'll never be lonely. Shasta and I were talking yesterday. Sometimes Shasta's always got a weakness for um, elderly people who are by themselves. She worries that they feel lonely. And sometimes in this life, we get lonely. We long for somebody to talk to. We long for somebody to care about us, to relate to us, to, to be around us. There, we'll never be lonely. Never feel that. Uh, just some thoughts that God put in my mind this morning. Just some things that I hope will encourage you. But if your heart's not filled with joy, peace this morning, if your treasure is in something besides Christ, why this message means very little to you. It's no excitement to you. You would you you'd be just as excited. As a matter of fact, we preach a sermon about knowing God and understanding God, and you can you can be like, oh, that was good. If I gave you the keys to the car, some of you cry. Some of you some of you would run, shout. If I if I said here, y'all take my house. Here, you, I don't want it anymore. You, you can have it. And I just gave you the keys to my home or gave you, if I said, here's a million dollars, you can have it. Some of you would be so excited. And those things are nothing compared to what I told you this morning. Amen. Nothing. They mean nothing. But until they mean nothing to you, You'll never understand what I'm preaching to you. But when you get to the place to where you say, I don't care about that. My treasure's over there. When your heart gets over there, things change to you. Amen? Then you can die with grace. Then you can die with dignity. Then you could be one of those that the Bible said, blessed are those that die in the Lord. Here's what I'll tell you today for a certainty. You are going to die. 
but not everybody dies in the Lord. Yeah. Some folks today will die without the Lord. Yeah. As a matter of fact, most will. They do not have the joy that we talked about today. Nor do they have the promises that we talked about today. You say, well, they're a good person. It doesn't matter. Well, but, but, they, but they were trying to get their life straightened out. Did they have Christ or not? Did they die in the Lord or not? Now, I'm asking you today, do you have the Lord or not? Because if you don't have Him, you're in real trouble. You're not just going to miss heaven. You're going to find hell. And you're in real trouble with the Holy God. Let's stand on our feet. Every head bowed for just a moment. Every eye closed. I have no idea the condition of your hearts this morning. Don't care if you're young, teenager, don't care if you're old. If you don't have Christ this morning, you are without hope. You are lost and undone. You need your sins washed in the blood. You need to give your life to Christ and to surrender to Him and say, I need to save you. Is anybody in that condition this morning? If you are, would you walk out from where you are in your pew? Step out. Come and kneel down at this altar and pray. Come and ask God to wash away your sins. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you die lost, you will perish. Those that believe in the Lord never die. Those that don't die twice. They die here, and then they face the second death, which is being cast into the lake of fire. Yeah. Don't let that be your story. Don't leave this, don't leave this church without the Lord. Do you need the Lord this morning? Any at all? We'll tarry for a moment. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much.